Hello, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Master Your Mental Podcast. If you are new here, my name is Paris, and I am the creator and host of the Master Your Mental Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here to tune in and hear my amazing guests and I describe the ways we can leverage and shift our mindsets to take the best possible care of our mental health. I launched the podcast as a way to motivate, inspire, empower, and educate people on these interesting topics. My background and passion for this all stemmed from the field of psychology. After completing both my BA in psychology and my MBA in healthcare administration, my passion for mental health only continued to grow. As a result of this, I launched Master Your Mental to bring more awareness, tips, and conversations to the table about these topics. You guys might be wondering, what does the mental stand for? Well, it stands for mindset, engagement, nutrition, talk about it, accountability, and love yourself. These are all the building blocks that make up what Master Your Mental is all about. If you would like to learn more, become a guest, or connect, feel free to reach out to me by shooting me a message on any one of my social media platforms you guys can find in the link in my bio on my Instagram at master your mental. Now let's get into the episode guys. Hey guys, welcome to this episode all about psychological flexibility despite injury. And you know, I always like to kick things off by giving you a little quick intro here on what this episode is, why I wanted to record it for you and what you're going to take away from it. And this episode is diving all into the aspect of psychologically recovering when you have had an injury. And that is really profoundly affected your life. So if you're an athlete and you've been competing for so many years and working at something like this, and then you have something happen where you're not able to play that sport anymore or do this thing and how that ends up impacting your mental health and what solutions are out there for this in terms of support, building back up that belief in yourself and also encouraging those that you love and care about of how to have that piece inside of them to offer that support. So my guest today is going to be coming on here and sharing how this has impacted his life and the work that he's doing now to help others break through this in terms of accessing these solutions to really be able to tackle these moments when you are feeling like this is something that has taken a toll on your life after having this injury that is holding you back in these different areas. So we're going to be getting into the solutions for that. And before we do, I want to thank you guys again for being here and sharing your thoughts with me and give me your feedback on Apple Podcasts, where you guys leave me reviews, where I always love to read those and see what you're thinking so I can try to make this show as best as I can for you. So I have one in front of me right here that says five stars, amazing insight on the stigma. Paris is an amazing source of wisdom for her listeners. I am a new listener and love tuning into what she has going on. I will certainly be a long time listener. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that review. And if you guys haven't already, you can head over to Apple podcasts and share your thoughts with me there. I love looking at them and really taking into consideration how I can take this insight and make this show as good as I can for each and every single one of you. So if you haven't already, head over there and leave that review. Love to hear from you guys. And let's go ahead and get into the episode. 
Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Master Your Mental podcast. I'm looking forward to diving into this topic of psychological flexibility despite injury with my incredible guest today. I am joined by Keegan Hadley, who is an occupational therapist doctor specializing in using psychological treatments such as acceptance and commitment therapy to improve the lives. Lives of his patients. He also just achieved one of his amazing lifelong dreams of completing his book titled Torn, Overcoming the Psychological Challenges Post-ACL Injury. I'm excited to have you hear Keegan's story of the impact his injury had on his career as a semi-professional football player and how he turned this obstacle into a tool to help others. So without further ado, welcome Keegan to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. I'm definitely excited to be here. Yes, of course. And I am as well. You guys, he has his book that is, he, you just told me this right now is coming out May 17th. And it was supposed to be June, but it's coming out earlier. So we're going to be getting into that as well as a story here with the value in terms of recovering from these things. But I love to hear from you, Keegan, about this. So can you share with us the story of your injury and the psychological impact that that had on your life? Yeah. So, I mean, um, anyone who's been an athlete for a, um, you know, extended period of time. Like for me, I was an athlete for 25 years, you know, mm-hmm. a quarter century. So it's a long time and it becomes really, you know, embedded in who you are um, and just what you I, identify as. Like, you know, so you, you meet someone, what do you do? Uh, I, I play football here, or, you know, I'm a, I'm a soccer player or whatever the case may be. Um, and it just really becomes who you are. Um, so to have that taken away so quickly, um, was, was really awful for me. It, it happened um, first on my left leg um, when I was a junior in college. So it was fall camp. Um, and that, that was awful because I was just starting to making the transition from high school to college is, you know, uh, it, mm-hmm. <laughs> it can oh. be quite a change for sure. So um, I was just finally to, you know, coming on to my own and uh, starting to really thrive. And then that happened. So that was uh, really frustrating. Um, for me. And I I took like a month and a half or so to um, rehab. Actually, I was rather determined to play that year. So I still ended up playing, um, I I think, three games that year with a brace on. Um, And then after the season, I had surgery. Um, Next year, I would unfortunately find out I was a transfer from an NCAA school. So um, I actually had too many credits to Mm. play my senior year. So I was completely you know, shattered at, at that point. And then I, I kind of redirected myself to, you know, training again for um, arena football. And I, I was lucky enough to, you know, get signed by a, you know, a minor team there and then um, pick up an agent. And I actually tore, unfortunately, tore my ACL, the right one um, in Ohio for a private uh, Canadian football league tryout. Um, so it wasn't one, it was two. Yeah, I, I, I've torn both of them. They're they're both uh, equal. You know, everything's equal. So, oh my goodness! And just hearing from you too, when you're diving into not just the like, I like how you also bring up the fact of the identity piece of doing this for over 25 years, being an athlete and having that as what you identify as, and then having that stripped away with the injury and not just one 
side, but then both. And then recovering from that is extremely a huge challenge when that's literally what you've dedicated so much of your life to. So I would love if you can talk about, like, I'd love to see if, like, if you even had this idea of writing torn and who are you speaking to in regards to the messages inside of the book? Yeah. So I, I, like I said, I always kind of identified as strictly as um, an athlete. That's what I focused mm-hmm. all my time on, but I remember uh, distinctly sitting in, English class. I think it was freshman year of college going, you know, I, I, I I really like writing. Um, You know, maybe I should write a book someday. And then in the back of my head, um, I I talk about this in the book, but um, we all have these thoughts that we can't really control. Um, And sometimes, you know, they're uh, not helpful at all. So my thought at that time was, oh, you'll, you'll never make money doing that unless, you know, you write Harry Potter 27 or something (laughs) like that. So um, I kind of squashed that, you know, unfortunately. So I, I didn't plan on doing this, actually. I'm, I'm one of those people who um, dives deep into things and does does like a lot of research. And after I, you know, um, did a bunch of research after I had some additional trauma in my life, actually, my ACL tears aren't even what prompted me to go into this at all or learn any of the skills necessary. But um, I learned more about acceptance and commitment therapy um, out of necessity and then, um, you, you know, I, I <laughs> got a lot of my own therapy, obviously, to get, get through my own issues and then realized, you know, this this would have been really helpful, you know, a number of years ago, because um, now pretty much my entire life uh, revolves around, um, you know, helping other people who are in similar situations that I was in. So I, I have a very good, you know, uh, family, um, you know, friends and everything else, but no, no one really prepared me for uh, how to deal with these psychological issues when your outlet is taken away. So for athletes, um, you know, who we are, our outlets, like, like everything that, um, you know, regulates how we are on a daily basis is our sport. So say, you know, I have a good day at practice. Oh, it's a good day. Um, and if it wasn't a good day, all you have to do is, you know, adjust physically what you need to do to have a good day. So it's all very simple, but when that goes away, um, it can get real dark because I mean, we haven't cultivated any mental skills at all, um, you know, through 25 years of our life. And then we're sucked there. Um, usually, I mean, when it really starts to hit you is, um, it's really common practice uh, nowadays. So I tore my ACL. Um, you, you wait and have to get the MRI and you know get that confirmation that yes, you're <laughs> it's it's torn. Um, mm-hmm. You have to come to practice and you have to watch other people do exactly what you want to be doing. Uh, you know you have to have someone fill your spot. You have to watch them do that. Um, so that's when you really really realize, hey, I I don't have any of the skills necessary to take this on. And then when you, especially when you bring up the acceptance and commitment therapy, I'd love if you can get into that because you did just outline right there with the psychological impact of having that outlet, which is football sports going to that as a way to help you with the effects of the stress. But now that's gone. And then you also mentioned, you know, all the therapy that you did yourself. And then also with the ACL tear, that wasn't the, that wasn't the thing that prompted you to write the story. So I'd love if you can kind of get into that and then also mention, you know, if you could give pinpoint one thing that was the most helpful in terms of helping you with the psychological aspect, like what does that look like? 
Okay, so <laughs> I've, I've always kind of joked. Um, it's kind of a dark humor, I guess. But I, <laughs> um, I, I learned I, I, when I was in grad school, I always had my, you know, clinical uh, supervisors and anything like that. I would just have them throw me into doing things because I can't, you know, sit in the back of class and, you know, uh, listen to someone else talk about things or anything like that. I have to physically do it. And generally, I have to physically do it and fail at it horribly um, and then learn from that. So what, what actually caused me to learn some of these things was out of necessity. So um, after I tore my second ACL, um, I was rather lost. Um, I closed off from a lot of people in my life and ruined a number of friendships, relationships, and things like that. And I, I made some poor um, relationship decisions and ended up um, with a relationship where the where my significant other was an alcoholic. Mm. Um, and due to that, um, I, I had you know, about a year and a half of pretty constant, um, you know, when I kind of figured out, obviously, that they were an alcoholic, I'd never really been around that before. So that was um, eye opening. Um, And then, you know, just the constant emotional um, abuse that came with that. Mm -hmm. That's what, uh, you know, led me to, I talk about it in my book, but it led me to some really uh, dark places that I knew, I, I, you know, my, my life would definitely was not going in the right direction unless I made a drastic change. So, wow. And then also you tie in that that piece of with the emotional abuse, along with having the sports taken away and then the relationships, but then the good thing that you did mention actually is the support system is Mm -hmm. you mentioned having that, because I know that that can play a huge role, especially when you're faced with all these different things and then coming out of that relationship as well. And if you could kind of get into, so with the acceptance and commitment therapy, can you walk us through a little bit of what does that look like? Yeah. So when generally when people think of acceptance in like mental health, um, the general um, thought, I guess, is people mean essentially, oh, just get over it, you know, accept it happened, those kinds of things. And that's not that's not the case at all. Um, I kind of want to make that very, very clear. Acceptance and acceptance and commitment therapy is essentially um, taking a a really close look at where you are and what you've went through. Um, and, and unless you do that analysis and um, open yourself to kind of that pain, um, you're not going to learn from it. And you're just going to keep running into those issues again. Like, uh, for example, a stat that kind of proves this is, I, I can't remember the exact number or anything like that. But if you look at individuals who are in, um, you know, uh, like domestically violent situations, they they tend to keep getting in those situations because they're not learning from their past. So, I mean, um, essentially that kind of goes hand in hand with it. They're not accepting where they are. And I don't mean accepting, like just shut up and stand in the corner kind of thing. I mean, really learning about what they've went through and, and, and gaining something from that. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of things, uh, a lot of things generally that are the most painful for, for us, uh, you know, are put there for a reason it's so we can learn a lesson and grow from it. So kind of learning that is, um, you know, but uh, very instrumental to acceptance and commitment therapy. Yeah. And I love how you break that down because when you talk about you, you don't just talk, you talk about it in a way of looking at where 
you are and then also what you went through and all having that piece of that to really commit because you bring up the the repeating patterns thing so you'll be in one kind of relationship and then go kind of have that continue like if you leave or even in like friendships or environments and I know you can probably speak to this too, but just basically with your habits and the way that you speak to yourself, your inner dialogue mm-hmm. and different things like that play a major role in that as well. So I love that you kind of outlined that and mentioned, you know, what this, what this really does is in the commitment piece of that. So for the commitment piece of that, does that mean we're working towards committing towards finding a solution or what does that, that piece look like? So you know, it's acceptance and commitment therapy and there's six separate uh, pillars or skills or, or, you know, whatever, uh, you know, words you want to use for, but there's six different, um, I call them skills that are um, all act kind of as one and they all kind of overflow back into each other. So you have obviously acceptance. So we've already talked about the next one that was probably um, the most important for me. And it's something I had struggled with long before I tore my ACL. So this, this was like, you know, 10 years in, in the making, but it's diffusion. So a, a lot of times um, I'll, I'll back up just briefly. So it's called diffusion um, and in cognitive CBT uh, for your uh, audience, uh, that's the therapy I went to first after my traumatic experience. So essentially the premise of CBT is to um lessen the amount of psychological negative psychological symptomology you're having so it's trying it's trying to lessen that um and they do that by so if i say you know um i hate myself or i'm broken uh, essentially my my personal phrase i'll use that um is i'm broken that that was that stuck with me for a long time um and cbt would say okay every time you think i am broken um, change your thought to a positive one, essentially, uh, change that to thinking about, you know, your favorite pie, your favorite cake, whatever the case may be. Well, um, under acceptance and commitment therapy. Okay. I, (laughs) that didn't work for me at all because I'm one of those people who, if you tell me not to look over here, I will look over there repeatedly. Um, you know, and I just kept finding myself like gravitating towards every time I would say, oh, I can't think about that. Mm-hmm. I would only think about it more. So the slight difference that um, ACT is, is it, it allows you to evaluate the I am broken thought um, and then just kind of evaluate it. It gives you some space. So essentially I'll sum it up like this. Um, diffusion is the skill in which uh, instead of me saying I am broken, it's me saying I am having thoughts or feelings that I am broken. So it's giving you that space to where you, you aren't the thing. Like it, just because you're having a thought doesn't mean, you know, it's true. You have to latch onto it or you have to follow it. Um, you know, uh, it, just having a good understanding of that and being able to notice, oh, hey, you know, I'm having this thought. That's not helpful. And just kind of let it, you know, pass into where, wherever it goes um, was, was very, very helpful um, for me, because, uh, for a long time, I'll just be transparent. I, I had a, a probably three month, um, span where I was, uh, suicidal. So I would have those thoughts pretty, um, repeatedly. Um, but in just being able to, after I started getting this therapy, as soon as I would have that thought, it would just pass by. And I knew that I, I had things that I wanted to accomplish, which is values, which is another one of the skills. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. 
that's that, that's no, essential. To most I love how you bring up the awareness piece of that because when you talk about from going from I'm broken to having thoughts of being broken, because I love how you're able to like capture those because especially when you mention having that span of having the suicidal thoughts and then being suicidal, that's something that I can really relate to as well with the way that like kind of the thought process, but when you break down the, like how you were able to kind of capture those, those ones and kind of redirect that or have a different point. And you said placing values of the Mm -hmm. things that you want to work towards and accomplish, I think is super helpful. And that's, that kind of brings me to something that I want to ask you about like today. So for all the, the work that you've gone through and the therapy that you've gone through to get to where you are. I know that doesn't just like you do the work and then, yeah, you're good. You're completely fixed, like totally not the same, but what do you do today to maintain that progress? It's it's, it's a constant, um, work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I say that because it, there's, it, it takes a lot of practice just, just like anything else. Um, I had spent, you know, over a quarter century of my life can completely, you know, disregarding any kind of, um, psychological skill set. Um, so I I thought it was like most athletes, um, ridiculous and I didn't need to waste any time on it. So what I have struggled with the most, I can, I can tell you that because I have to constantly work on all of these things. Um, what I have had to work on the most is actually values Mm -hmm. because I'm supremely goal driven. Um, I, I've just had goals always, and I'm always looking towards the next goal, which is another issue I have. Um, but I noticed that even when I would achieve a goal, um, I didn't feel anything. Um, I don't know if you've ever accomplished a goal mm-hmm. and then it, it feels a lot more empty than, you know, you, you spent all this time working towards it and then you know, it just emptiness. So, um, what, what I found out, um, you know, uh, more recently, probably than any of the other, um, skills was that if you're not linking your values, like who you want to be as a person, what you're working towards, um, to a goal, I mean, it's not really going to have a lot of meaning. Unfortunately, I, I like to actually Dr. Uh, Stephen Hayes depicted it as, um, values are a compass or a direction like north, um, and your goals are kind of like stepping stones in that direction. So you're you're never going to get to north. You know, you're always striving towards north, but those goals are going to be the stepping stones on your way. Um, so. Oh my gosh, I love that. I think that's, and I love that you bring that up too, especially with tying that into values, and also how like you talk about with yourself being very driven by that, and then having accomplished this thing, or when you tell yourself, okay, like. I'm going to do this. And then once I do this, it'll be like this and I'll feel like this. And then I, I know that everyone can relate to that. And it's almost like, when is it going to, it's this, and then it's this, and then it's this. And that kind of brings me to this point of almost like manufacturing happiness within yourself to really have that appreciation. And I love that you tie that to the, the piece of the goal with having the value tied to that, how you laid that out of having that value as a compass and then having those goals as stepping stones to get there, because that's like when you're working towards something, you want to have that, that satisfaction of knowing that it's 
it's helping you move in the right direction away from the pain that you've previously experienced. And a lot of that, that came up for me when hearing you mention like in the past, like before you had your ACL torn or when you kind of did this work that you almost viewed almost like therapy and like doing these different things is kind of like ridiculous, which is a big thing that a lot of people still think, but I think it's definitely getting better with more conversations and people being more vulnerable and having the courage like you to actually share your story and not just share your story, but publish it into a book that people can actually take hold of and read that and say, wow, like look at him. Like if I, if anyone else goes through a period of where they're having an injury or maybe they have someone that they care for in their life who did, who had this, maybe they had their whole they, they, they're like, Oh, I'm going to go to this college and play here. And then they can't, or I'm going to go do this. And then it's like completely stripped away from, and it's everything they work towards and having that foundation of like hearing this from you. And also the fact that you bring up maintaining that with the values. And it's not like you're, you know, you've done this and you just kind of, all right, like I'll just, you know, try to hope it stays. And like, when it comes back, I might try to do it again, but you're doing things every day to keep you in that. And, you know, I think that's the biggest important piece, especially when you're talking about not just, not just the injury, but the psychological impacts of that with the stress that's associated with it. So, and especially with the work that you do with, your clients. Like, I'd love to hear if like, there's any, any similarities, obviously that you've seen, like with your own experiences with people that you worked to help. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, just like anything else, um, you know, acceptance, uh, you know, act and uh, relational frame theory, it, it kind of gets away from, and there's a reason for it is, um, I present quite differently than, you know, someone else with uh, severe anxiety, like, like myself, we, we, everyone's a little different. So it's, it, it kind of luckily, the type of um, framework I practice under, I'm, I'm decently well equipped uh, <laughs> to handle that. But, but everyone's a little different. Everyone struggles with different aspects of it. So like so, some individuals that I've worked with have self-esteem issues, they, they got all of their self-esteem from their sport. Um, you know, they were the best soccer player. They were, you know, whatever the case may be, they, they felt fitter. Maybe they have actually, you know, they were using sports as a way to stay, um, fit because they kind of have a body image issue, or, um, maybe they already had some, you know, uh, depressive type, um, you know, tendencies. So they kind of just use the high of working out to stay away from that. So, I mean, it's, there's all kinds of issues you can get in. It's just, building those skills around it. Everyone's a little different. Everyone needs, um, you know, more attention in a couple of the different skills than others, but there's always some similarities. And I always feel, um, I I don't watch a lot of sports now, which is weird actually saying, (laughs) if if I do, I I like to, you know, focus my attention on someone who has torn their ACL just because I feel, um, kind of like I know them. It's, it's, it's a very weird situation from that standpoint, but I really gravitate towards watching anyone who's been through that just because I, I can relate to them on, you know, a, a bunch of different things and not even have to talk with them. So mm-hmm. I love how you bring up that aspect of resonating with that and relating with people who've gone through those similar experiences as you, because especially when you talk about 
the aspect of self-esteem, right. Being tied to the sport. And now you don't have that. It's almost like the identity piece that you mentioned kind of in the beginning of like you identify as this, right. I'm this, and I'm this, I I'm this athlete at this, or I'm this writer, or this is my like profession and occupation. And then you don't have that kind of mentioned and kind of leaning back on those other, other things. Like you said, that what I thought was also interesting that you talked about is that you do things to, to fail, to learn. Like you mentioned, like you, you'll try things because you can't just like watch. And that's something that I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's funny that you bring that up. Cause I feel exactly the same, like same. And then, but I feel like when you're going through that loss of whatever it is, do you think that that impact almost holds you back in a way from wanting to try other things to fail? Or what do you think with that? That's a great question. So mm-hmm. uh, essentially, um, this is my kind of opinion on failure. The first time it hurts a lot. Um, you know, I, everyone can kind of picture, um, you know, one time when you, when you really tasted failure and it hurt, um, it was, it was awful. We we've all been there, but each time you do it, um, it gets a, a little bit easier and eventually, um, it's really not that bad at all. Uh, just from the standpoint. So as long as, especially if you're tapping into, um, you know, Hey, for me, I really want to help individuals who are, you know, if, uh, you know, have an injury that's putting them out of their sport for a long time, whether mm-hmm. that's, it's usually an ACL injury or in the future, I'm probably going to be working with individuals who are struggling because they're actually losing their, you know, uh, physical abilities and are trying to stay away from like, uh, total knee surgeries. Mm-hmm. So I mean, uh, that, that's mine. That, that gives me, I will wake up, you know, at three in the morning and go to bed at, you know, whenever I have to, to help those people. So as long as, you know, you're staying in that framework, it really helps out quite a bit. Yeah. And I, and hearing you mention that kind of brings up the point of seeing that failure. Cause it's like almost reframing your belief. The way that you used to see it was something that you want to avoid or get away from or move away from. But then the more you lean into that and then allow yourself to have that where it is hard and associated a lot of it with shame and being embarrassed or wanting it's an uncomfortable feeling. But like you said, when you're able to take yourself out of the comfort zone and continue to do these different things, you really learn a lot. And like that kind of ties into with what you've been talking about with the psychological aspect of like basically strengthening that toolkit that you have. So being able to say, well, I did this, but I learned this from it. And that ties in with your experience. Like you had this ACL injury on both legs and then, but you learned this from it of how to use that story and capture in a way to relate to not just the people that you serve with the work that you do, but also people who are going to read that and have have an appreciation and also understandings from your viewpoint, because I think a big problem with that sometimes is when these things happen, when like big injuries that completely take you out of a sport, sometimes people surrounding those people who want to be there and help and understand and support sometimes don't know what that fully is like for that person. So if you could kind of like what, when, with, when you had your support system, what is, what was the most important for you for them, for you to have them understand about your experience. And this is for the ACL tears, correct? Yeah. So, so like when, when then you experience that having your support system, like what, what was it that you wanted them to understand 
that at that time to be able to help you and support you through that? That's, that's the thing I I really struggled with. Um, I think like most um, guys in our society, Mm -hmm. I, I bottled that in um, very, very deep. Uh, Looking back, yeah, I I have a lot of things that I I wish they would have known. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in in the moment, um, uh, I I was, you know, a long time before I had any of the traumatic stuff, I was very, very numb to, um, you know, pretty much anything. I would push the limit on, you know, uh, with substances and those kinds of things just to feel anything. So um, I, I think, looking back, I just would have needed someone to help me get in touch, you know, with those feelings and, and, and sit in them just briefly. Obviously it's not fun initially, mm-hmm. but the more you're able to come to terms with those, you know, the less damage you're going to do, because I waited years to, um, you know, start, uh, you know, sifting through those and it, it only gets harder the longer you let it sit there. So, mm-hmm. And also when you bring up that point of, of how the, uncomfortableness of sitting in those feelings, but the impacts that are worse, the the more you avoid it. Mm -hmm. And that's almost true in every, every scenario that I've come across with people who have similar experiences with this thing that they weren't able to, they didn't know how to communicate it or express it. And they, and it was, it was something that they almost would hide like through a facade of almost like, everything's good. Everything's good. Like there's nothing to worry about because of not wanting to put that on someone else or have those emotions. But I love that you talk about the benefit of that, of actually going through it. And yeah, it's going to be painful, but the fact that you're able to break through that, the benefits that that brings in the long run. So like, what, what would that have been like for you? So if you were, if you were not able to do that and you still had that feeling of, of shame associated with sitting in those feelings or addressing them. What do you think, what do you think the outcome of that would be? That is, yeah. Um, as far as I, I, I was on a pretty, um, you, you were talking about, you know, opening up and helping people. It was a big internal conflict uh, for me on whether or not I wanted to, publish the book initially, uh, just because a, a lot of the stuff I, I wrote this book in like, you know, extremely quickly, just because it kind of flowed out of me. Um, and a lot of the stuff I share is from kind of the deepest, darkest moments, um, in my life and what led me to needing acceptance and commitment therapy, including obviously the ACL tears, but, um, <laughs> if I would have kept on that, route. I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. Um, you know, I don't want to be morbid or anything, but I, yeah. I definitely wouldn't have been where I am today. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. And that's an important, especially when you talk about the internal conflict that comes along with that, with having that of like, should I share this? And mm-hmm. the uncertainty that comes comes across with that of, because when you think about, like you mentioned, similar to maybe other guys who've been in similar situations, not wanting to share that or express it because that can be seen as a weakness and you shouldn't have that. You shouldn't be vulnerable. Like if someone does ask you, you can like brush it off almost, but you don't want to go there and really share that because then you might be looked at in a light that you're not trying to be in. And it's almost like a misunderstanding of the situation. So I love that you kind of bring more attention to that piece, but especially with, with the story of having that, but now 
on the other side, looking back, you know, when the book is coming out, knowing that people are going to read this and really resonate so much and actually be thankful for your story because, but that's what it, it is, is really just the vulnerability of actually getting it out and expressing it that you've been able to overcome. So, I mean, I'd even love to ask you too, with that, what, what was it that helped you overcome that? that, that kind of division of like, should I do it? Should I not? Was there something in particular? Was it a combination of things? What prompted me the most, um, was first I I couldn't be a hypocrite. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. one of the skills associated with, um, act is self as a context. So essentially what that is, is, uh, uh, you know, according to Dr. Hayes, who, you know, constructed this, framework there there's two versions of yourself there's the true self and then generally what most people operate under most of the time unfortunately now is the conceptualized self so the conceptual conceptualized self is essentially a mask um, or a persona that we're trying to you know put on um so essentially um a lot of the people especially males um you know in our society are wearing those heavily you know we can't be hurt even though we're hurt um, you know, we can't show weakness, even though we, we have uh, tons of mo- moments of weakness. So um, essentially what prompted me to do the first thing that prompted me to do this is, you know, um, I, I got to show who I really am, uh, you know, what I've really went through. Um, there's, you know, there's no, <laughs> you can't really worry about, you know, looking tough or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing is I realized that I'm only going to be able to see so many patients mm-hmm. like. I, I only have so much time in a day, um, you know, uh, so no matter, no matter what I do, I only have a certain amount of slots to see patients. So to really reach as many people as, because like I said, I, I'm supremely, uh, you know, passionate about this and this patient population specifically, I want to be able to speak to as many of them as possible. And this was the best medium to do that. So. That's really taking the mask off like completely. And I love, I love that because that is a very difficult thing to do, especially when you spent so long with that, Mm -hmm. you know, as I know, like I can definitely relate to like hearing you go into that specifically and bring up the two, the two versions of yourself, right. When you talk about the, the true self and the conceptual self and having these both, and it's almost like a battle, like, like, no, like stay this way. And you're trying to go this way, but you like have really helped overcome that by no, by understanding, like, who are you, who are you keeping this information from that they need it. And when you really break that down of you only have so much time to see people in person and you can't do that for everybody. But now that you have, this as an extra way of reaching these, these other people through that. And I love how you also just, the book isn't just about um, recovering from ACL because that's something that you, that's a direction you could have gone in. You could have said, Hey, like, this is kind of the story of like with the athletic and like focus more on that, but you dive into the psychological, the emotional, the stress, the relationships, also talking about the relationship you mentioned of having the relationship with, with someone who was struggling without being alcoholic and having that impact again, on top of you as well with, with going through these different things with both the ACL tears and like having the willingness to be vulnerable and say, this is how I felt. This is really what it looked like. I had a period of time where I was having these thoughts of, of suicidal thinking and all these different things and actually saying that. And then, and then kind of showing like, but here's the solutions and here's what worked when it comes to 
acceptance and commitment therapy and really like diving deeper into those six pillars that I love that you kind of broke, broke down more into diffusion as well. And kind of just walking us through like what that looks like and really what it's done for you in terms of having those thoughts where you almost prior to that did not have awareness of them. And that's something that I almost can, can relate to as well. Like having them just almost on a, on a cycling loop of like you're broken. And then once it's, it's almost like a snowball effect kind of, right. So it's like, you start with this and then it goes, it just builds and builds and builds until it's all negative and you can't really even see the positive. So I'd love to ask you like, so can you walk us through? So in terms of a routine, like, do you have a routine in place or like a morning routine or something like that, that you do, and you don't always get to all the steps, but if you could kind of walk us through like what that looks like and how this is helpful for you. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing, there's no, uh, specific routine. Now that being said, um, I have stuff coming in the future, like more, more resources, but, um, the, the biggest thing I would say for someone who's looking to start on this path, uh, you know, whether, whether or not, no matter if you had an injury or not, like, like I said, I, I've had a heck of a time because yes, it's a book about torn ACLs, but it's really about, I mean, that's almost in the background at times. Mm-hmm. So, um, essentially the most, the most important thing for me, yes, I, I saw the most immediate growth from diffusion, but the one that helps the most just from a day-to-day perspective is mindfulness mm-hmm. so is being present because we're all so busy we're looking forward you know an, you know anxiety about the future especially especially with all the you know inflation the wars mm-hmm. you know what am i doing next week i'm so busy or looking back and you know um, i could look back and be very depressed about the things i missed out on you know because of my injuries or you know other traumatic experiences so truly living in the moment um, which is hard, you know, with social media and everything like that, you can't just be mindfully scrolling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that, that doesn't necessarily work, but uh, it, living in the moment and then when a bad thought or a good thought or whatever the case may be comes into your mind, you can address it. You can uh, notice yourself as you're talking to people, you know, if, if you're operating under, you know, the, um, you know, conceptual self or a true self, um, you can really see if you're learning anything through acceptance, um, and then, um, values and, um, action, purposeful action are kind of the last two. And you, you can really gauge those things better. Um, if you're being mindful, if, if you're just running through your day, um, you know, just going from one task to the next and barely living in the moment at all, you're really going to miss most of those opportunities to work on the things you really need to. Wow. And I love that you kind of dive into the reason for mindfulness, especially with so much going on, like the chat, the difficulty it is to have that at times. So when you talk about the mindfulness piece, what do you do to stay mindful or what practice, like what practices do you have? Yeah. So what I do personally, um, and it's going to be kind of different for everyone, like there's breathing, there's all kinds of stuff, but what really works for me is my anxiety is so bad <laughs> that I can usually like, I usually have like an ache, um, in my, in my chest almost. So if I just stop what I'm doing, because I, I undoubtedly, I'm just like everyone else, I get going doing too many things at once. I'm trying to cook and answer emails and whatever the case may be, if I stop what I'm doing, and really just focus on that spot, it actually uh, helps me relax a little bit. And then I can shift my focus to different parts of my body. So, okay, now let's 
feel the sole of my left foot. Okay. And after, mm-hmm. you know, focusing there, I, I switch, I just move my perspective around my body a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's worked for me. It's going to be a little different for everyone. Um, there's some, <laughs> a number of different ways to do it, but that's, that's uh, what I've had the most success with. Yeah, no, I love how you also talk about how that relates to helping with anxiety that you talk about with like having the anxiety and then being able to have that focus of noticing where in your body that that pain or that ache is coming from and then giving yourself the space and the grace to even address that because it could be easy just to push it off Mm -hmm. and just continue to like push through. I need to get this done. I need to do this. I need to do this. I can't do this. But giving yourself that that piece, I think is huge because it is easy to get so caught up and not, and not want to even like take that break, but you're giving yourself that. And I feel like it does make a huge impact and difference. And also when you're talking about the breathing, breathing techniques and just anything else that, you know, people can access online or try or different videos you can watch or just asking, you know, people around you, like what works for you when it comes to mindfulness, because that's, that's the biggest piece of how you've been able to capture these thoughts. Like you mentioned, like when you have a good thought or bad thought or whatever it is come up to be able to respond to that in the moment, instead of thinking back to the things that you missed out on when you talk about with the injury, like, Oh, I missed out on this or this opportunity mm-hmm. or de- these different things, being able to process that in the moment and in real time, I think is huge. And, you know, that brings me again to the, to something else I want to ask you that I always think this is such a really good point because everyone always has a different insight and you don't say mindfulness for this one because you already said this, but when it comes down for you, so it it doesn't have to be in your daily routine or anything like that. But if you could tell us, Keegan, what are you doing right now in this moment in time to master your mental? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say for sure. Um, I'm, I'm rather new to the podcasting world. I've been in it for about a month, month or so. So one thing that I'm doing personally is focusing on that self um, skill Uh, not, you know, trying to portray anything that's not uniquely me to your audience. So that's something that, you know, I've had to continue to work on because, you know, as I start this new experiences, you kind of have the tendency to go back under, you know, um, who you want to, you know, the persona you want to have instead of being what you, what you really are. So, oh my gosh, I love that because that it is. And it's very true. Like the more the, and that goes back to the point that you made too, of getting out of your comfort zone and mm-hmm. doing more of this. And again, like speaking about your story and really showing that side of yourself that you're revealing in the book and not you know, going back to to hiding behind the pieces of not wanting to fully get into the details. Cause I definitely relate to that as well of having those moments where, you know, maybe someone comes up to you and they say, Hey, like, what is the book about? And you might have like a little panic come up or anxiety of, or like nervousness of like, I'll just tell you like a brief little sentence because I don't want to fully dive into it because I don't know how this person might react or respond. But Mm -hmm. that's, that goes back to the point you said again earlier of the more you do something, the more you kind of put yourself in that zone to be uncomfortable. And when you call it failure, like maybe if you say, Oh, this is what it's about. And then someone's like, Oh my gosh, like, 
how could like, I, I don't know if I could ever reveal that or talk about that, or they might say something, you know, that isn't, isn't what you thought the response would be. But I, I love that because the more that you do this, that you you're really allowing yourself and you're actually giving yourself a gift, um, that you would have, you wouldn't have otherwise even realized if you didn't continue to do that. So I think that's extremely powerful and I'm super excited for the book to come out when you said May, May 17th as well. And I definitely want you guys to go sign up. You have a newsletter on your website. So we're going to talk about that and more places that everyone can connect with you and learn more. So let us know where can we find you? Yeah. The, probably the easiest place to find me right now is my website. It's uh, my first name, last name.com. And it's going to give people fits. My my, my uh, dad, who's a notoriously dad, uh, bad speller, spelled my name. So it's Keegan, K-E-A-G-E-N, Hadley, H-A-D-L-E-Y.com. Perfect. Uh, my blog talks about, um, you know, uh, fitness in general, health, uh, obviously mental health, and then injuries. So oh, I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. And this has been absolutely amazing. And like, I just want to thank you for sharing your story and coming out here today. And also, and also in line with that, sharing the tips and things that you learned along the way and along the journey in terms of solutions, how to access those solutions when you're talking about therapy and your thoughts and really these two versions of yourself and really being able to tap into this and, and do it because like you said, because that just goes to show that, you know, another example of this, of a powerful story in which you did it and you accomplished it. And there has definitely been moments in which you think you, in which you thought you couldn't, you couldn't share the story. You couldn't publish the book. You couldn't be vulnerable and you overcame that. And that just goes to show that to show people that you can do it as well. So this is the message I want to leave you guys with too, is just to be again, so thankful for you for being here and tuning in and listening to Keegan's story and definitely go, go on his website. I'll put that in the notes as well. So connect with him and yes, the book torn is going to be on there as well. So coming out May 17th of this year and it's torn overcoming the psychological challenges post ACL injury. So thank you so much, you guys for being here. And I hope that you have a wonderful day or night, depending on what time it is for you. And I also want to say bye to you guys and bye to Keegan. So thanks Keegan for being here. It's been awesome. Yeah. My pleasure. Talk soon. All right, guys, that was the end of the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed creating it for you. As always, if you guys would like to get in touch with me to become a guest or share your thoughts, you can do that in a number of ways. You can shoot me an email at hello at masteringmental.com or you can DM me on Instagram at masteryourmental, where you can also find a link in my bio that you can use to find me on all of my other social media platforms. I hope you guys have a beautiful rest of your day and thank you so much for listening to the Master Your Mental podcast. Have a good one, guys. Bye.